be the best, then you gotta pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How we doing? Oh my gosh, Jordan. You know, we did this little schedule. I'm going to be joining you for some episodes this year, and boy, did I pick the right one. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, not only was it the first week of, of the NFL regular season, so... Um, uh, excited to have football back for one thing, but man, was that a fascinating Rams game and they start off the season with an impressive victory 30 to 13 over the Seattle Seahawks. Jordan, I'm going to do something that we don't normally do. Okay. I'm going to tell people if they did not read your story <laughs> that ran, I believe last Thursday, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Am I correct on that? I think it was a uh, Thursday. If it's uh, the one I think you're talking about, then yes. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. An enterprise gonna, story. Yeah. I'm literally going to tell people to pause this podcast right now, assuming you're not driving. If you're driving, get away till later. But if you're if you're just sitting at home or whatever, pause this podcast right now and go read that story. And I'm not saying that just to pump Jordan's tires. I mean, everything that she writes is brilliant. But that story really gave you everything you needed to know about this Rams game and how they accomplished this victory, Jordan. And I'm going to throw it over to you with that to explain it because you researched the entire thing and wrote it so eloquently. I assume you agree with me on that. Uh, but can you maybe explain why that was the case, why this looked so different and why the Rams were able to do this to the Seahawks when not a lot of people expected that they would or could? Yeah, one thing um, to remind everybody who caught not only the live room on uh, Friday afternoon, but also the the recording of the live room. If you've caught the la the last episode of Eleven Personnel, I was describing the vibes in the locker room that week, um, our first week really back in in a locker room this year, and I said. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but I said something like, "If they're gonna if they're gonna be bad, these guys don't know it." Because of how the energy felt and was and how they are around each other and with each other. And when you're in a locker room, what I love to do is talk to people on background and ask teaching questions. And this for years, you know, here, it's been a really great environment to do that. And this year is no different. And when I'm talking to people behind the scenes, some of those details will emerge in future coverage. Um, when I'm talking to people behind the scenes in that locker room, it's like, I, I almost, you would almost screw up your face and tilt your head and really tell me why when they would say certain things about how they felt about this group and how they, they knew, I, I would say this team felt like they had a great plan and like they had a real chance at doing what they did on Sunday by Thursday. And it was really interesting to me because that's not necessarily what the outside world expected. We saw the Matthew Stafford uh, huddle breakdown where he references the outside world and, and all of that. But for anybody who has been regularly attending Rams practices, I have been at every single one since uh, April in terms of this overhaul, OTAs and training camp every single day. And I'm telling you, yes, we have pretty tight strict credential parameters and what we can and can't report, but that doesn't mean I can't take notes. And every single day for months, 
um, I watched as they changed so many different things about the way that they teach, the way that they uh, construct a practice, the way that they overhauled their walkthroughs approach um, to be more amenable to the way that a young group of players learns, the way that they changed their drills and their drives, and the way that they went so back further into themselves, essentially, um, in terms of that coaching staff. And piece by piece, over time, you saw what what started to happen because they looked awful in OTAs. I mean, they were teaching from the ground up, like how to redo play actions footwork, you know, like they were, they were reteaching how to do a drill that would then teach you how to play coverage on special team. You know what I mean? Like it was so back to square one because it had to be, but the energy level never changed. It was always really high energy, even if they looked really bad and sloppy and Sean McVay would stop practices over and over and over again and and reteach something or get people to be on the details when they were feeling mentally tired because they were physically tired. And like all of those things, um, you started to see piece by piece development. And when they're in it, like you don't necessarily see like it's kind of like getting old, right? <laughs> when you. <laughs> You I don't, don't know what you mean. <laughs> you don't necessarily <laughs> you don't necessarily feel a year of your life go by in the sense that mm. when someone asks you how you feel on your birthday, you're like kind of the same, right? But you're not the same. You are changed by an entire year of experience, and yeah. and, and your body has changed, and hopefully not too much. But like that's just how it goes, right? <laughs> it's similar. They're in it, so they're not necessarily pacing it the same way that people such as myself can go in, sort of like an anthropological anthro. Anthro, I can't say it like a like a anthropologist, like an anthropologist. <laughs> I'm oh not jumping in because I'm going to mess it up too. I, so. I got the rust yeast down now, but like now it's anthropologist. Okay, that's the one. There yeah. we go. But like going in like that and taking notes about incremental change over time. That's why I love doing this job because you can do that, and then some someday you can put it all together and paint a picture like that story that you referenced of what it actually meant to do those little things that became big things, that became real change. And you started to see this in their joint practices first against the Raiders, and then they came back the next week and had just two incredibly strong practices against a well, uh, well-run Denver Broncos outfit. And it was then in Denver that I really saw kind of the behind the scenes really of what this was. And then it it was so interesting because it so clashed with what they were doing in the preseason publicly. I mean, they were atrocious. They, they, they were so bad, but you know, the third, the third string and no Aaron Donald and like all of these things, the coaches can say it all they want. And they, they certainly did. They certainly reiterated, you know, that, but until you actually see what it looks like all together functioning at once, which I was able to do, especially in those joint practices, because that was real competition. They were actually practicing against other people that weren't themselves. That was where you started to see growth. And that was when the tone started to change um, of some certain people who are in the organization, but not necessarily in um, like like actual roles. People who are kind of there um, in the orbit, certain family members, things like that, started to say, you know what, I think this group's going to be a really tough out. Instead of, you know, I was worried and now I think this kind of a thing. And you started to pick up those details and hear that. And and one detail that really struck me from Sunday 
two. Actually, I'm going to say two, and and hope it's okay that I'm rambling this long. No, please. The two things that really struck me from Sunday, and they are both in the story, by the way. So please go back and read that. Um, It was restructuring the way that they assembled long drives in practice. Now, multiple things being true, they had to do, they had to get players conditioned. They had to get them in shape. They also had to test them mentally at their most tired physically and get them tougher and get them ready for what it would actually feel like. Well, in previous years in practice, when they would do 11 on 11s or seven on sevens, they're not really doing seven on sevens anymore because it's less competitive than those full 11 on 11 drills. They would do like three or four plays and then they'd rotate out the group. And part of this was because there were so many veteran players who were on load management plans because they were veteran players so that they could taper up to whatever their output had to be on Sunday or Thursday or Monday. It was all very like by the, I'm not saying a pitch count. Some people were on pitch counts. We've covered that extensively, but like in terms of that load management, like there's a very specific energy output when you reach a certain age and experience level as a player that you have to be really attuned to. Whereas when you're a younger player, you have to get conditioned, you have to get into shape and you have to get into um, the developmental plan that starts to taper you up, not by week, but by year, right? And so they knew that they could run harder practices. They also knew that this team, it, it was almost like a, a a ripple effect when they were only running those three and four play rotations and 11 on 11s and practices. You saw them sort of start to go into like a little bit of a box checking mode. Like they were running very specific situationals. They were installing very specific plays. and for a while, especially if you're healthy and you are, um, you know, you have a lot of really talented players on your roster, like that can work. It, and it did work. They, they want, they want a Super Bowl that way, but also that leaves your depth undeveloped. And so now you started to see the gap between the bottom of the roster and the top of the roster. And when the top of the roster started getting catastrophically injured, you saw how, um, troubled or, or how how little development the bottom of the roster had gotten because they were rotating the same times and, and reps as the top of the roster, which means they're not getting actual game-like experience, right? Well, this year, they're running 12, 14, even like a couple of 16 play drives in 11 and on 11s at practice without rotating other than sub packages and different normal rotations you would see in a game. And that was so significant to me because it changed the way that they conditioned. It changed the way that they um, applied different problem solving on longer drives versus, okay, get these three plays in and then rotate. It changes the way that the coaches call the game because they have to think on their feet in a game-like scenario as well, which is great, I think, for for reintroducing that problem solving in practice. It's great for conditioning, even though it it is the worst thing to experience in the world if you're a player, but then you kind of also love it when you're done because you you learned something and you developed. It creates mental toughness. And that directly translates to being prepared to do exactly what Sean McVay has been has wanted to do, which is sustain those long drives to slowly smother an opponent, to set up their his defense, which is complementary to the offense by nature of his, its existence in this ecosystem, 
to help uplift the defense because the offense is sustaining those longer drives and scoring at the end of them. And then to also have that readiness by a bunch of young players to experience that come what may. So that's they're doing that in practices now. And you saw that on Sunday, multiple long scoring drives, 10 plays, 14, 14, 16, like touchdowns at the end of them. Um, and, and you saw what that did to help the defense. The defense could maximize output more. They could play stickier, which they did. They were all over those checkdowns in the second half. Um, they could they could maximize their their A plus game plan, even if their players are still learning and they're still inexperienced, they're still on a curve. Like you can still maximize your A plus plan with those players if the offense is lifting them the way that this offense did on Sunday. And then the other example I wanted to share too is those types of drives, they they make you really tough mentally. I mean, you hear it all the time that Andy Reid does this with his, his Chiefs teams. And you, you know, I was listening to Jason and Travis Kelsey's podcast, New Heights, uh, on the other the other week, and they were talking about what it does for your uh mental toughness to go through those long drive, long drive drill is what they call it um, in Kansas City. And you saw it, you actually saw this because late in the game, there was every chance for this Rams defense to totally lose its head, like to totally lose composure after DK Metcalf hit Akello Witherspoon and Akello had to leave the game. And like, there was some, some jawing happening on the sideline. And even Sean McVay was talking, like you saw him on the broadcast and there was every opportunity for this, a very young defense to lose its head. And they didn't, instead, they actually started teeing off after, after that. Um, they, they really could have, that could have been the end of it really. I mean, I I mean, the game was pretty out of reach at that point, but that could have been pretty bad. They could have, um, young players could have just been more reactive in a way that maybe would have negatively out affected the overall team, but instead they kept their composure and they, they, they went and played. I mean, there were like what back-to-back sacks after that, that backed Geno Smith way up and like they teed off. And I just thought that that was another example of the direct application of what changing those practices and changing that coaching style, what that meant. Um, and, and, and you can see Sean feels more connected to this team too, because he's coaching deeper on the roster. Whereas before, um, you know, players and coaches would openly say like, yeah, he spends, he, he's with the, he works with the first team offense. But now you see him on the defensive fields. You see him connecting. There's Q&A sessions behind the scenes. I, I wrote about all of this in that story. Like all of these things that are happening that weren't happening before that led to that such a significant disparity between the top of the roster and the bottom of the roster. Well, now everybody's in it together. And you can see he feels more connected. You know, it, he was emotional in his press conference on Sunday after the game. Yeah. And he's always emotional because he he kind of rides that adrenaline with um, however his call went and all of that. But like, you could really tell, like it was, he was very, um, moved by that, the experience he had with that team. And then when you saw the video of his speech in the locker room, when he's telling these young kids, like, don't change, don't you change. And it just was to me, every sign, you know, going forward on fourth down and goal, like every sign, how connected he feels, how he wants to show this group, whatever you hear on the outside, I'm not quitting on you. Like that's what that fourth down and goal said to me is like, whatever you may hear people talking about on the outside, I believe in you. I am not quitting on you. 
and you're not quitting on me. And that was a statement, a statement touchdown. And all of those things, like I said, it's all in the article is a predictive, like I worked on it for months and I'm not trying to like, you know, like I said, pump, pump tires or whatever like that. But like, I, I really like, that's what being a beat writer is, right? That's why I love, that's why I love it because to learn and learn and learn and learn and you maneuver and you try to figure out like how far you can push the limits of like your credential parameters and like you figure out what you can use and when you can use it. And it's like that story is the product of months of notes and hours of conversations. You know, the quotes you see in there are reflective of the story, but certainly don't capture all of the conversations I've had with people behind the scenes. And it's like, that's the thing, you know, after after that run it back year, I think I, I made a I made a uh, sort of a speech to myself as a journalist. And I was like, be responsible this year. Like, don't crown people before they're ready to be crowned. Because we saw with Allen Robinson, you know, he had one of the best camps I've seen from a receiver. Uh, You know, obviously now it's like the crown is taken by Puka Nakua, who had an outstanding camp. But like, but then nothing they did with him in camp, they ever did in games. And then, and there was a disconnect in throughout the entire year through the locker room as people started having injuries. And then we don't need to relitigate all of that. But like, I, I was like, don't crown people before they're ready to be crowned. Take notes, stay quiet, stay quieter this year. Don't, you know, don't, don't overreact before you see proof. And that story is the result of proof. And that's, that's why I said on that live room, like, if these guys are going to be bad this year, they don't know it. And I, and I truly mean that. And I truly believe that. Yeah, very, very well said, Jordan. Wow, that's that's some. Uh, uh, I never had that level of self awareness as a beat writer to to take a step back. And uh, everybody's like, everybody's self scouting here, you know. Like- that's right. That's, that's <laughs> self scouting. Yes. Uh, and I, I like the look in your eye, Jordan. You got a good, got, got a good, good look in your eye. Um, Slightly manic and exhausted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is, Jordan, I, we, we talked briefly yesterday and you said like, you can know all of these things and you can firmly believe them, but until they get out there on the field and, and it shows itself, you never quite know how it's going to go. And I remember reading your story when it got published and thinking, well, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is all very sensible. It's very smart. It, it, it seems like it should work, but you don't know until you get on the field. Right. And, and I, I loved it was interesting. Not only did I love your story, but of course, the Athletic, we have an amazing network of, of writers and, and Michael Sean Dugar, the uh, Seahawks beat writer in in his game story, uh, I believe is the first quote he had in the story was Geno Smith, who said, it just looked like they were playing harder. Mm-hmm. And you look at that quote and you might think, well, that's kind of a cliche. Like, why would you why would you use that quote? That's something that everybody says. But you watch the game and you think about it and you're like, that is the quote. They just looked like they were playing harder. I mean, sometimes it's just that simple. Sometimes that's a Rams team that looked like it had been trained for that moment, that had been prepared for that moment, uh, that knew things were going to be different, uh, that things weren't going to be perfect, probably, uh, that they were going to have to work their way through some areas. But the word that I kept coming back to, Jordan, as I watched the game was poise and you think of poise sometimes and you think of it in terms of, oh, penalties or, oh, you don't you know react to something or you don't lose your head. But I watched the Rams play that game in the context of both sides of the ball and what you just talked about, putting together those long drives. And then on the defensive side of the ball, keeping their heads in certain situations, I'll point to two real quick. 
um, that first drive that you talked about. I mean, not only was it a long drive, was that the 16 play drive? I think. Yeah. But within that, there are four, five third downs. There's there's a third and four, third and four, third and ten, third and four, and then the last one is a third and goal at the, at the goal line, basically. Um, that uh, that they that they run in. Um, that's a lot of stuff for a first drive of a season with an offense that doesn't probably isn't totally in sync, and they didn't look totally in sync. That wasn't a perfect drive. They had to grind that thing out, but there was poise there. There were not penalties. There were not mistakes. They they hung in there on those third downs. The other one I'll look at in in the first half because there was a point in that game, Jordan, where I I thought things were in danger of getting away from the Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were down thirteen to seven uh, in the uh, I guess late second quarter. At that point, uh, they go for a field goal that I thought well, was a little ill advised. Kind they of like put a Brett hail Marr, mary, yeah, hail Brett mary Marr out there for a fifty seven yard field goal, poor guy. <laughs> Um, and it gets blocked and Seattle takes over at the Rams 42 with plenty of time left on the clock there. That was the moment where I thought that here it is like if it's going to get away from the Rams, it's going to get away from them right here because Seattle can go down and score and really take a, a hold of that game. And what happened? Uh, the Seahawks got a little momentum there. They got a 13 yard. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong uh, play there. They uh, they got a couple first downs right away. They got it to the Rams 25, and then the Rams tightened it up. They locked it up, and and of course the uh, Jason Myers ended up doinking one off the goalpost, which which helps them out quite a bit. But that was one right there where I went, man, that defense held their ground right there, and and then of course carried it over into the second half. People, I'm sure, who watched the game three yards until I believe the very last play of the game, which was when on a throwaway 10 yard run three yards mm-hmm. in the second half. I didn't think Seattle played very well. They, they were not as good as I expected them to be. I don't care. That's, that's an NFL team out there with, with quality veteran players. And they got three yards in the second half. Jordan, what was the big thing for you there? I noticed right away, we talked last year so much about the explosives, giving mm-hmm. up the, they, that defense did not do that at all. Uh, but, but as you watch this defense, especially compared, like you said, to some of that stuff you saw in OTA's training camp, um, what jumped out to you? That this is what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously yeah. there's going to be some more things they need to do in the pass rush. And then in the first half, there was mushy edges, which we've talked about before, um, on this podcast that Kenneth Walker was getting those outside runs when they did have explosives. Obviously there was the one to DK Metcalf. And then, um, also there was a third, a third and uh short that Gino was able to get off, uh, down the sideline for first down and those types of things. But, but what you saw is those didn't, those things did not happen in the second half. And it was really interesting because this, they, they were mostly, again, they were mostly in zone, but like I wrote about, uh, the week before this story, this big story came out was also about what it means if they really could get this offense off the ground, what it really means in terms of the, the types of, of man match and zone match, uh, match zone. We, we love to call it match zone. Cause it sounds nicer. Um, what they can do, um, out of that and, and what, what's possible. And I thought Darian Kendrick said it really well. Obviously he had, he had the, the prototypical day that a young cornerback is going to have. Right. And I think he should be commended for again, keeping his cool, 
Um, he broke up a pass in the end zone that would have been a touchdown, but then he gave one up. But then also, like, he kept swinging, right? And and something that the Rams did last year when he missed a play was they rotated him out. Well, they did it for, like, two plays so that he could go get coached on the sideline. You saw Kobe Durant come in after that touchdown to DK Metcalf. Um, you saw Kobe Durant come in and play the outside, and then they switched to a little more inside linebacker and dime stuff to take care of the star position. And then they... And then after that, um, DK, uh, Darion Kendrick came right back out and kept chopping, kept chopping wood. Right. And then you saw what I, what he said that I thought was really interesting was what they really did super well was they understood that they could cap the explosives. That's the game that they play. They, they can cap the explosives. They also understood, they studied Gina. I asked Sean about this. Of course it's 49ers week, so he didn't get too expansive on it, but, (laughs) um, he, uh, he, they, they, um, they studied the tendencies of Gino's checkdowns. And so when a play would work out of structure the, and they already took away, cause he looks, he, Gino Smith throws an amazing deep ball. Right. And so, um, and he did that so well last year, but when you take away the explosives and that's Jordan Fuller and Russ East doing a heck of a job on that back end with that, with that shell, um, when you can take away those. Then um, and you have and you're in a must pass situation because you're playing from deficit the way that the Seahawks were. Um, then you can get sticky on the checkdowns. Um, and if you understand the tendencies and you study and you pattern match the way that they have, you understand where those checkdown tendencies go when a play is out of structure because their pass rush wasn't going to get there. Checkdown would be the natural option. No explosive pass rush is uh, straining moving the pocket a little bit, not necessarily direct to sack. So Gino was moving and he was looking for those, for those options and those, those underneath things. Well, then they clamped down tight on those underneath things. And that was a a group effort from a lot of the things that I've, I've written about them doing, which is they played more dime linebacker uh, right away than you saw them do in the early phases of, of other years. Um, that's Quentin Lake. They also had Christian Roseboom in there a little bit. Um, I know everyone was kind of mad about the Michael Hoyt thing, but that's sort of a Fangio system, uh, thing that happens sometimes. And I think you, you want to make sure that that middle of the field is not, is not a, um, an open space, even though it's like not super advice. I I mean, he honestly, he made a nice play. He got, he got called for a flag, but honestly, I thought he made a good play out of that position. (laughs) Um, but like, that's a, that's sort of a Fangio thing. Like, so, you know, I know people were mad about that, but, um, but anyway, but that's what they did. It was really interesting. And that's what Darian Kendrick said after the game. He's like, we knew that we knew that he was going to go for the deep ball, which he does very well. Um, and then we knew that we had to tighten down on, on the checkdowns and really stick. And you saw a couple of times, and I put this on Twitter, um, even though I'm trying to be on there less and less, um, it was, there were a couple of situations, including that pass breakup in the end zone where he, they had to cover for a long time. These young corners, they've had to, they have to cover for a long time when the play goes out of structure because the pass rush isn't necessarily getting there right away. And so, and they did. And I thought that was really interesting. You could see that they're trying to close off that middle area and the the underneath stuff with different types of concepts, introducing more linebackers and, and dime stuff that that's part of it, I think. And then I think you'll see that that continue to expand, particularly of importance this week, I think. Um, so we'll see if they can keep keep that going. But like that was something that really stuck out to me on on the defense. I mean, they really it was like great communication. Nobody was um, they 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 had studied. They knew what they were supposed to do. And when you 
when you get to the core of what this defense is supposed to do, one of the reasons why Sean McVay wanted it so badly is because it does tendency study and it pattern matches and it 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 looks into what the opponent's calls and tendencies are going to be. And then again, a match zone, you match down over the top of them to be sticky and have a man-like look out of a zone pre-snap alignment. And it was that to me was just really it just I mean, it was like these these young guys were just they you could tell how hard they studied and that they were in shape. And I thought that that was just super interesting. And that was something that was so telling. That's also that's good coaching, too. And they've got a lot of again, back in that story, they've got a lot of new coaches and new teachers on that staff. But Sean McVay one of people who could teach too and had to find had to have people who could teach and i think that's really interesting you also saw Sean McVay as Raheem Morris likes to say he's he's nosier this year like he'll be he'll be with the defense more cuz he's studying rules and that's what if you guys went back and ever listened to play callers like that's what the at at the core that's what makes these coaches in this young tree like so good is because they're nosy and studying defensive rules. And you could really see that show up. I mean, um, not only was McVeigh messing with some of Seattle's defensive rules with some of the bunch stuff that, that he was doing and the motions and getting Tutu Atwell a running start off the line of scrimmage without using a looping play action or a bootleg. Instead, like Tutu was doing the getting a running start with some of those, with some of those jog motions. Like it, it was just really interesting how he was messing with their rules. But also the defense was was had an understanding of the offense's rules. And that's where I think real complimentary football comes in when you're talking about a group like this. Now, it's one game, guys, but those little moments were just really interesting to me and something that I think gives this group confidence as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I, I was going to add that asterisk there, even though I don't think we need to, is nobody is saying here that the Rams are going to go 17 to no and win the Super Bowl <laughs> here and that everything is, yeah, they're facing a huge challenge this coming Sunday against a 49ers team that looked by and large excellent against the Steelers. Uh, I was able to watch that early game on Sunday. I know a lot of people yeah. were. So Sean McVay said, uh, I forget his direct quote, but he said that shit looks strong or something like that. Like, <laughs> he said, and then he you you can't see it in the transcript. The Rams PR staff edited out of the transcript. I wonder if they edited the video too. But he said, and then he pulled it back. He's like, "Oh, I'm not supposed to curse." It's like, bro, let it fly, man. They yeah, put, like you're you're a football coach. This is football. Like, let it fly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's got to it's gonna be Dad McVeigh though too. So he's got to start probably start watching his uh, mouth a little bit. He's got a few years before he has to worry about that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, look, I mean, I I don't want to overreact here. We don't. That's not what we do here. But you, Jordan, I mean, we we both knew what the narrative was, and people looked at the schedule, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't. Uh, ridiculous to think that the Rams might start one and four here and that people were not expecting the one to be week one. They were expecting that one to uh, maybe be in a couple weeks. Uh, but so and frankly, I thought if you had asked me uh, just because some of the stuff that we know, uh, uh, you know, that the defense was going to have to come together, I would have said if the Rams are going to win this game, they were going to have to score 30, which they did. But I thought it was going to be 30 to 28 or something <laughs> like that. I mean, that if you would have asked me, what's the 
what's the scenario here for the Rams to win this game? That's probably what I would have said. I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to blow this out of proportion, but I looked at that game holistically. And if you're going to check off boxes and say, what was the best case scenario for the Rams in this game? You pretty much checked every box. I mean, your best case scenario is, yes, you win 77 to nothing and you you have eight turnovers or whatever, but that does, that's not realistic. Uh, but when you talk about what's realistic with this group in week one, I don't know how much more you can ask for. Doesn't mean they're going to beat the 49ers. Doesn't mean, you know, that's uh, that they're going to the playoffs or anything like that. But I, I thought it was a real victory for a lot of the things that you talked about and wrote about uh, that, that they made a concerted effort uh, to 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 work on. So Yeah, and and how about Matthew Stafford, Rich? Oh my god. Yeah, gosh. I was just going to pivot to the offense. So yeah, yeah, we should yeah. Like that guy, that guy who we saw spike the ball in Tampa Bay, darkly chaotic Matthew Stafford, like that dude. First of all, again, like anyone who's been at practice, that was why some of the stuff that was so it was so funny to me that was like the the like the I don't know, just like all the, you know, all the discussion and debate and whatever. Some of it was so funny to me because I'm like, anyone who's at practice sees what this dude is doing, like sees how good this dude, like he just healthier throwing the ball, like all over the place. Um, and, and sort of like downplaying it in press conferences a little bit, you know, yeah, I feel pretty good. You know, like, I just like yeah, man, you kind of look, you seem like you feel great because you look like you're having a blast out there. And that's why some of the outside stuff, again, they they said it a lot, outside world, outside world. Like some of that was 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 entertaining or fun because it was like there was a sense of like wait and see, you know, wait and see. And Aaron Donald said it. Do you remember, Rich? He said it in the spring. Um, he was asked, someone asked him what he thought about the uh the betting line or like why why should he believe in why should people believe in this team's potential? And he's like, just gonna have to see. And it was so interesting because, I mean, yeah, we, this is going to be a way hard, tougher challenge for them this week. Kyle and Sean know each other so well, um, and they are, you know, this the some of the new stuff that Sean's been working on. You know, some of their their gaps, their gap scheme stuff. They were running a lot of duo yesterday. Like they, the, those things are on tape now, right? So now you can you have to continue to evolve and continue to adjust. And and similarly, you know, I'm sure that both of them have held certain things back, right. To make sure that they can at least have a couple of different edges and a couple of different things. But at the end of the day, you know, the 49ers are extraordinarily physical. Um, it's going to be such a fight, such a battle. It's going to be a, a tougher test for this offensive line, which can't talk about Matthew Stafford and, and how excellent, just like truly elite. He looked on yeah. Sunday, um, making every kind of throw while also, moving well, um, showing a little agility. He's obviously, we're not going to call him like a running threat <laughs> ever, but like moving around in the pocket and, yeah. and, and all of that and using the arm angles and his eyes to kind of freeze defenders or change leverage points and change the launch point a little bit. They were doing a lot of stuff out from under center. He was running play action, but he was doing, there was, they were doing some gun action, which I thought was really interesting because if you're running gap scheme, I think my personal opinion is that gun action actually works a little bit better um, just based on how things are aligned and the running back shoulders are straightforward. And anyway, go down a rabbit hole on that, but, but, um, and there's all kinds of analytics and debates and whatever debate with your family, like not me, but, um, <laughs> but like, so, so it's, it's interesting. Like um, I just thought that it was so um, you could see what they're trying to do to protect him 
not just with the line and and the line pass block pass blocked really well. The final numbers are total offense gave up nine pressures. Some of that's obviously running backs that can happen, tight ends that can happen, but in terms of the linemen themselves, only gave up six pressures total. And that's significant. I mean, that's like I don't think they had a single game last year, even when they were all healthy, when that was when they when that happened. Yeah. Again, this week is going to be a way tougher test than this past week was. But that was a really good confidence builder for a group that has really only two legitimate weeks of of playing together because Joan Oatboom being ba- is, you know, back in the mix after missing time with a, a soft tissue injury. Um, upper body soft tissue injury in those joint practices. So, but, but I just thought they, they had a toughness to them when you're playing that gap scheme and getting the tight ends really involved in the blocking surfaces. We saw more 12 personnel. Um, You're really seeing that this group can at least is, is not, is not a group that is going to be sort of all finesse anymore. They're not going to like Sean McVay committing to the run even though the run was not explosive, it was effective, right. and especially because they were giving they were giving the defense so many different types of run looks that you could see. I mean, Bobby Wagner talked about it afterward. Like, you know, they were running more gap stuff, and it was pretty clear that the Seahawks were not expecting that gap stuff um, because they didn't read the story. I guess <laughs> so. <laughs> no, they. I mean, it was it was really interesting some of the stuff that they were doing, and right. um, no, it and and like you know it. Some of the some of those um, short yardage scoring runs too. I mean, and some of the short yardage gap stuff that, that they ran with Kyron. I mean, the linebackers were out of place, and you could see how it affected you know all of the different ways that they were trying to reset and reintroduce that physicality, not just from the longer drives, but also even when the run wasn't explosive, if it was an effective play for them, they were sticking with it. John McFay told me that's something that he wanted to focus on and really wanted to do is not let it weigh him down to the point of where it, you're just making dumb decisions be, for the sake of making the call, the decision, but setting it up to, um, to have that physicality to, to, to push people instead of being pushed. Um, I think that that was really interesting. And so you know, two point, what is, what was it? 2.9, 2.3 yards per carry. I mean, that's terrible. Right. But at the same, but at the same time, like when they really needed a play and it was a run play, those plays were extremely effective. There were some third and mediums that Kyron Williams converted, um, Cam Akers touchdown run on that fourth and goal. Like that was an outstanding call at, at that time and, and really well executed. Um, they capitalized on a couple of the the reactions to other run concepts um, in order to make that play work. And I just thought that, you know, that was something that it just felt like um, they were the ones imposing and asserting, not necessarily an offense that was sort of just reacting and and one-dimensional. Again, they need to be more explosive on early downs in the run game. They they got some long downs and Matthew Stafford being as excellent as he was really saved them a couple of times. Um, but at the same time, like there was a pretty even run pass split and it was, it was clear that that's what they were going to do even before they had a lead because that 16 play drive, that was a majority run drive. Yeah. Um, it was, there was a, it was like a 16 play drive. I, I don't have the split right in front of me, but it was um, it skewed heavier toward the run in terms of the run pass split. 
So they made it clear, like with their script, that was that's a scripted drive. They made it clear with their script, even that that's what they were going to do. And even when they had a def- a small deficit, they didn't just have those quick three and outs. I mean, they they struggled a little bit in the middle there, but like they didn't just sit there and and pay, you, you never felt like they panicked really, um, yeah. which is totally different from how it felt last year. They felt so one dimensional last year, not just in the lack of variety in their run game, but also the lack of the run game in general. And then they they also lacked some dimension in the pass game too. But totally could yeah. not have felt more different. Um, no. just Sunday. Yeah, nine nine runs on that first drive, if my quick sketch math is correct. So, um, yeah, well, it, uh, Jordan, it warmed my sometimes cold heart. <laughs> people were tagging it. you. I <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not really either. on social anymore, but uh, but I appreciate that. I do miss all of you, but it's uh, better for my overall health yeah. uh, not to be um, in those environments, let's just say. Uh, but I, I agree with all that, Jordan. I mean, Stafford attempts 38 passes. Kyron Williams, Cam Akers combined 37 runs. Um, and I, I thought poor Cam had to eat a little bit of it there in the fourth quarter because a, a lot yeah. of, I mean, he ends up, you know, 22 carries for 29 yards, but he, he, you know, he ate all of those carries in the last part of the fourth quarter when Seattle knew they were going to run the ball. And there were a lot of zeros and minus twos in there that, that didn't help him out quite a bit. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jordan. I mean, it's what's some of what I pound on the table about and, and annoy people in other in other years is uh, it's 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 not all about the, the the splashy numbers. It's about establishing a tone and establishing an identity. And I thought you watch that Rams game and watch that offense. And I, I thought they had an identity. I thought they had a plan and I thought it made sense. And it doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect and pretty and explosive and all of that. But again, goes back to poise, goes back to the offensive line playing well, as you described very well, Matthew Stafford. Not making any mistakes, uh, not turning the ball over in any phase of the offense. Um, it, it was very good. Um, you know, we can if we want to wrap up here. I mean, we we haven't even really gotten into Puka Nakua very much. I know there's he's kind of the talk of the NFL right now, but yeah, which is again just <laughs> I know, right? Which like he he's outstanding. He's been outstanding. That's the thing. Is like it's it's fun, you know. I was so tempted at times through the spring and summer to, to do the big, like, you know, declarative, like this guy's going to be it, you know, but like, but what, but for what, right? Because people, people were going to, we're going to see it. And what I, what I wanted to do instead was just talk about what he's doing. Don't necessarily talk about what he could be. Talk about what he's doing. And what he was doing was he was getting a super heavy mental workload every single day of OTAs that carried forward into camp as, as we, um, you know, I was writing about through the, through training camp. And when Cooper cup went out, I think there, you know, there was this imperative need for that workload to increase for everybody. And it, it did, they did. And I think that, um, Tutu Atwell, you know, should also be commended for the way that you know, he, Absolutely. his, his chart is similar, is look, looks similar to Puka and that they were both running their routes out of a variety of different alignments. And I think that what's also helpful is that Sean McVay is now maximizing play design that helps Tutu. You're not like, I've, I've put this on Twitter. Like there's a really cool thing. It, it's not new. Everything's recycled over and over again. But like last year, it was really significant that, Mike McDaniel was running this sort of jogging start motion and everyone has a different name for it. I just like to call it that because that's literally what it is. You get up, you're, you're in motion on a jogging start 
instead of a, a sweep or anything like that. Um, and then you really hit the gas at the snap, right? And you're right about to get vertical at that at the snap, and you're jog, you're doing a jogging motion. And so basically, it gets you a wind up, right? In the same way that we always talk about that Tutu Atwell would probably need a wind up to uh, get off the line of scrimmage because even though he's been physical, he's just not a large human, right? And so you could get jammed up at the line. You could get bumped off your route. You can get mixed up in the middle of the field with some physical um, players. So when you get a when you get a jogging start to a motion like that, not only are you accomplishing something that maximizes your player based on not just its ability, but also his potential, maybe possible limitation. And you're sort of erasing the limitation and maximizing the ability, which is a, that's smart coaching. But also... Matthew Stafford does not have to loop in a play action under from under center where he would turn his back on the defense, um, which he no quarterback likes to do. Um, they the Rams especially have gone away from a lot of that um, in terms of him turning his back and like all of that. So he's kind of in this gun with Kyron Williams right next to him, shoulders facing forward. So it looks like they could gap run potentially, but then Tutu goes in motion across the the line of scrimmage and they've got their normal bunch sort of concept on that on that play side as or excuse me I guess that wasn't the play side but on the pre-snap what what looked like would be the play side and then and then that moves people in the defensive backfield because Tutu's moving right that's what motion does but he's got a jogging start so he doesn't have to push or press or jam anybody right off the line Matthew Stafford doesn't have to turn his back to the defense in order to get that same wind-up effect that a bootleg or a play action from under center would accomplish. Instead, they still had the run fake because it did look like they could run like duo or something from out of the gun. But like they they had they still had the fake, right? Which holds a defender just a little bit longer. And then you also have a a windup for Tutu via a jogging motion that gets him hitting the gas right as that fake is happening. So you're moving people pre-snap in the defensive backfield. Then you're moving probably some linebackers. Um, at the snap with the run fake, Matthew Stafford never has to turn his back or loop into a bootleg or anything like that. Tutu already has the space because, and he's already getting downfield because he's got the the jogging start. So if you're a defender and that's happening to you up near the line of scrimmage, you're already moving backwards. You're either moving horizontally, which is not going to help, <laughs> or you're moving, you're already moving backwards, which is also not going to help. It puts you at a disadvantage, not only at the snap, but pre-snap as well. That's just smart. That's just smart coaching. But again, like this is the stuff that they overhauled and that they've been, they've been working on this year is how do you, be, even without Cooper Cup, who's on injured reserve and ex- they do expect him to return and, and all of that, but like, how do you maximize who you have not just based on what they're good at, but how do you also hide limitations? And that's, I think, what they've done really well with these young receivers so far is like Puka Nakua, you know, he had some issues with some drops early on. So what do you have to do? You have to get him into a rhythm on some of those middle of the field crossers. You have to get him on those physical yards after catch where he's holding onto the ball so he can know what it feels like. And that's kind of what they started doing. And and he played outstanding. And then, you know, Van Jefferson has to make that catch downfield, yes, but the fact that he was still a threat outside the hashes, Bobby Wagner also said this. They they were they had to account for the potential threat outside the hashes. Van Jefferson has a proven track record of making those catches. He made that catch all the time in training camp. I don't think he drops it again if they throw it to him again and that from right. that concept. Right. But like 
you have, if you're accounting for somebody who could very well be involved again, because you're not sort of spamming one receiver every single time you have to account for someone outside the hashes like that, then the middle of the field opens up and look at what Matthew Stafford's throw chart was. He absolutely spammed the middle of the field to a variety of different receivers, but it was middle of the field, middle of the field, all green dots, right? All green right there. And, and, and it worked. It really helped them on a couple of those tough third downs, those long second downs. Van Jefferson uh, had a had a tough third, that third and 10 that, that helped keep that drive going. Um, Tyler Higby got in the mix there. But then they also have Tyler Higby lining up outside the hashes sometimes too. So that's it's all about manipulating space and and like I said, maximizing what. And then you have a quarterback who can make any throw under the dang sun because you're protecting him. Um, it just, it all, that's what it's supposed to look like. Right. And I think that those young guys, they did not surprise any of their teammates. They didn't surprise any of the mm. journalists who have been there every single day. Um, right. but it, 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 it's like, this is what, this is what they've been working on. That's what my column was about after the game. Like they just showed their work is all like, now you, everyone else sort of got to see it. Now, does it move forward? We don't know. They have to keep growing, keep progressing. There's going to be some bumps along the way. This game coming up against San Francisco, this could be just super gnarly. We don't know. Um, it <laughs> right. usually is. Um, so we just, but but like the thing is, is you they they saw what I think is important for this group is they also saw their own potential on tape against NFL opponents in a tough environment right. on the road. Now it's about taking that and building off of it again incrementally because nothing is going to happen all at once for this group this year. But, but I think that that's one of the most important things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's you, you read my mind there in terms of, I, I don't think, you know, I don't know what's going to happen Sunday against the 49ers. I presume it's going to be a tough game for the Rams. And I, I, you know, if I had to bet, I'm not a gambler. I, I would bet on the 49ers, but even if the 49ers win that game, it doesn't negate what happened um, last week or the two days ago in my mind um because i do think it's this is a process and and i don't think as you just said it's not always going to be linear there's going to be some ups and downs and sideways turns and all of that um because that's just the kind of year that this is going to be so uh if the 49ers give them a tough game on sunday i'm sure there will be some adjustments we all know that that's what this league is it's watching the film and you adjust to their adjustments and they adjust to your adjustments and you know especially these two coaches are going to be maniacally going after each other so I, I don't expect that it'll look exactly the same on sunday for the rams as it did this past sunday i certainly wouldn't expect that but i saw enough things uh, against the seahawks that made me feel like okay this is, you know, everything that you wrote about there, Jordan, everything that they've been planning, you can see it now in practice and you can see how it can come together. And uh, I think Rams fans should be optimistic about that. Again, do I think they should be buying their Super Bowl packages for Las Vegas? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm, not getting, <laughs> that's not, I'm not going overboard here. But uh, in terms of the expectation level, yeah, I, I thought it was a very good game for them. So, uh, Jordan, just just so we're covering all our bases here. Everybody now knows, of course, Cooper Cup um, on IR for for four weeks. I know you'll be giving updates as you as you get them, but we do have some uh, some certainty there. I guess at least in terms of uh, we know what what his next uh, month or so is going to look like, and uh, beyond that. You know, obviously, we hope for the best for Cooper Cup. I know it must be frustrating for him to to have to watch uh, again some games. Um, so, know you'll be all over that, Jordan. I'm really excited for this uh, Rams 49ers game on on Sunday, just because um, 
you know, we'll see what happens. It's uh, it's it's going to be a great test. It's going to be a better test than the Rams had against the 49ers and uh, excuse me, against the Seahawks. And uh, I think if they can put a good effort out there, then, um, you know, they they, they can uh, they can surprise some some teams. So, yeah. Uh, and it, what what probably helps a little bit, too, is, again, like nobody really knows like who the dudes are, right? Right. <laughs> like, like I'm sitting there, I'm watching like Zach Van Valkenburg and he's in 51 and my mind it instantly goes, oh, what's Troy Reader doing out there? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, and then I re- then I remember and and it's like, you know, nobody knows who the dudes are yet, right? I think Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell will obviously capture some more attention. Um, I also, by the way, I don't think they're going to be able to do that middle of the field stuff because they've got, you know, Fred Warner and like, it's just, you know, this gets more complicated. So, sure. Sure. Um, things will have to change. Obviously their pass rush is going to be different and, and all of that, but it's, but it is interesting. Like they, they're, you could see, you could see the work that they put in and you could also see where they have yet to go, right. What they can build off of. And yes, agree with you there. It's going to be tough sledding, especially, um, through these next couple of weeks, you know, you've got, um, San Francisco, you've got Dallas coming up down the line. Um, Cincinnati looked a little shaky, but still going to be tough because the coaches know each other so well. Um, right. it's just, it's, it's, yeah, Eagles, it's tough sledding here in this first part, especially. And so I think that that's where, um, they're going to learn a lot about themselves. Now it might not, <laughs> it most likely will not go as well as it did this last weekend, but, the key fundamentals, protecting the quarterback, establishing that identity, staying physical, um, getting the ball to a variety of, of receivers, even when Cooper is back in the mix. Um, these are all things that are going to be really important. So continuing to build those habits, that's going to be that's going to be important. And, and I think it was important to to show that on both sides of the ball, because like I mentioned before, the defense showed its work, too. The defense showed what they not not just how much that they were growing and developing, how aggressive they were willing to be, but also, um, and particularly, I'm talking about the the coverages, but also um, showed that um, that composure. Right? They didn't. They did not relax at, at all in terms. They were composed, but not relaxed at all in terms of. Okay, I got a lead. Now you know you kind of lose your head a little bit. Like no, that there was there was none of that happening. So I think that, um, they're learning a lot about themselves. And I think it was important for, for fans to really see that too, because, um, you know, I can chatter all I want about whatever you, nobody has to believe me until they see it themselves. And frankly, like, I hope that everyone believes me, but at the same time I could be wrong too. And so that's like what, what I think was really cool was hearing from people, um, who really were like, you know, this, they proved me wrong uh, in in the, the comment section. Like they, like I I was pleasantly surprised. Or like Rich, when when I saw you on on a Monday morning, like um, you know I was I didn't expect to be as entertained by that game as I I ended up being right. so so immersed in it because that's what that's what you said and and it was yeah. like it was it was so telling because it it's so on paper it so could have gone a different way. Right. And we all know that that's a reality. I think it was fair for fans to, to be worried and wonder what this was going to look like. And and you saw at least what they have been working on. And I think that was really, really important for fans to see. And also really important, I think for, for a certain group of fans too, to see that this team is not, is they're not going to quit. I mean, they structurally, they, they might face some disasters down the stretch, which I think, you know, you just don't know. You can't, we couldn't predict last year either. But 
they they are not going to quit. And I think that 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 was um, sort of a message sent by everybody, including the coaching staff on, right, on Sunday. Right. Yeah, probably not a great uh, weekend for Caleb Williams' dad. I probably wanted to see the Rams uh, <laughs> I know. on their way to 0-17, but uh, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So. <laughs> Good news for USC. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, fantastic week, Jordan. Uh, I guess we'll see this week if uh, Kyle Shanahan reads The Athletic more than Pete Carroll does, um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, he definitely watches the press conferences, so that's why you're not getting much information out of oh, yeah. what you'll yeah. see, though, which is so funny to me because Raheem does this every, Raheem Morris does this every every time. He'll He'll drop, you guys listen for this, he'll drop little comments about Kyle, like they're good friends, but uh, like he'll drop little comments about him that just because he knows Kyle goes back and watches all of the press <laughs> conference or like the, someone on his staff does or someone, someone the, it, it will come back right. to him in, in some way that like right. it's right. going to be little Easter like, eggs. Raheem will drop little like troll, like trolling comments of, right. of Kyle Shanahan. So it's, it's, right. it's funny. You guys listen. That's fun. It's, it's good yeah. when you know the context behind it too yeah. and why it's being done. So uh, Jordan, great start to the season. Um, I really mean it. I mean, we, we talk, you know, I, I know we both work for the athletic and, you know, we're, we're invested in the people subscribing to the, to the company, but uh, you're, you're not going to get that kind of story that you wrote last week anywhere else. And you're not going to get that kind of insight into what the team is doing and, and where they're going. So I, I genuinely mean that I would not say that if I, if I didn't mean it. And um, so, you know, we always are very grateful uh, to all of our subscribers and people who have stuck. I can't believe Jordan, this is now your, your fourth season. Like, how did that happen? Like, my goodness. I can't, um, I can't quit this group, man. I learned too much. Yeah. It's, I get to learn something every day. It's, it's just, yeah. it's, I'm very grateful. And I honestly too, the, the subscribers are, they keep me in it too. Cause like our comment section, I maintain it remains specifically the Rams vertical. Like I, I maintain yeah. it remains like the best place on the internet. Like it's still, it's people talking to each other and expressing ideas. And, um, it's, it's almost like a message board almost, but like, not toxic. <laughs> so, so it's really, it's cool, right? It just, it makes me feel good to drop in there and respond to questions and see what people are talking about. And, and, um, you know, I just, I, I really, I'm entering this, this season. I said this on the live, the live show this last weekend too, before the season opener, but like, I'm very grateful. I don't take any of this for granted and I'm lucky to do what I do and damn it. I'm going to try to do it at my best. So <laughs> Well, you do. And uh, we, we mean that and uh, great community that, that you've uh, fostered there. And uh, great pivot, Jordan, because if anybody wants to join that uh, community, <laughs> join boy, us. Join us yes. <laughs> um, but, but we mean it. And now's a great time to jump in. I mean, I know we say this every week, but hey, you join The Athletic right now. Subscribe. Full year of coverage. It'll take you through all of this season and through everything that'll happen in the off season. And best of all, best of all, if you go to theathletic.com slash eleven personnel, you don't just get Jordan's coverage. You get it along with her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. I can't believe we're doing this again. We didn't even talk about special teams today. Abtag. Oh my gosh, field goals. Kickers. Always be talking about special teams. That's going to be a journey to follow as well. But you guys, anytime you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. Um, Rich, I'm so glad that you were on with with me today. We just have the best time. Um, You guys, we're going to be back regularly. um, 
And Stu Jackson has been awesome in joining us as well. And we're going to get more of those live live shows going yes. too, because we love hearing from you guys, um, all of your thoughts and, and comments. And it's especially fun hearing your voices. Um, but in the meantime, uh, buckle in for, for a tough one um, this weekend if you're a Rams fan. And um, tough but fun, I think, is maybe the theme. Tough, weird, and fun might be the theme for this year. Um, and, and sometimes darkly chaotic if Matthew Stafford plays the way that he he played uh, on Sunday. Um, guys, I hope you're taking care of yourselves. I hope you're especially taking care of each other. Hope you're staying hydrated. Hope you're staying caffeinated. We'll catch you next time. 